Ladies, gentlemen, lady gentlemen, my fictional friends, welcome back to, I, I want to say a weekly edition, but it probably isn't, of the Wrestling With Fiction podcast backdrop bonus. Basically, the thing on this podcast where I talk about whatever I want. And this week, I, I feel it's kind of an appropriate time because of what's happened on Raw this week to talk about, well... I think you guys know the elephant in the room. Uh, this week is AEW's Blood and Guts show. Weirdly timed with Raw's subsequent introduction of a evolution. Oh god, evolution. <laughs> oh no. And the main point of why I'm here, really, is to just kind of talk about the idea of AEW potentially being, well, raw in the ratings, potentially. Now, uh, this kind of, I think a year ago, kind of seemed pretty far off, you know, with NXT kind of, in hindsight, being a sense of, like, counter-programming to AEW, and Raw kind of being its own thing. But with the pandemic and the gradual decline of viewership year after year, I... Part of me wonders if, well, Blood and Guts could potentially beat Raw in the ratings, and that's kind of the question that we have today. And my stance on this is yes and no. What do I mean by that? First of all, do I think this is going to be the big show that gets AEW to above, I'm, I'm just going to give a bold prediction, I'm going to say 1.7 million for Raw? that kind of seems to be the plateau they're at currently? Maybe not. Personally, I still think AEW's biggest television show to this day, now keep in mind Blood and Guts hasn't happened yet, is Winter is Coming. And that drew 1.2 million even with NXT there. Blood and Guts is a very interesting show because it's probably the biggest match stipulation that they've been building up for the past... God, it, over a year I would say? Because this was planned to be back in February last year, if I remember correctly. Because it was right after the whole John Moxley winning the AEW Championship. And it was going to be the Elite versus the Inner Circle. That didn't happen. We know why. Move on from that. And now we've got this storyline between the Inner Circle and the Pinnacle. Which has been building up for the past... God, it feels weird to say this, but over six months? Like, you look back to really when MJF started to say that he wanted to join the Inner Circle. And that happening, and then the birth of the Pinnacle. And yeah, it's been around six months since this. And whilst I do think that this match is a draw, and it could build to this big, you know, ratings bump, possibly. I, I'm not of the mindset to think that it's going to beat Raw in the ratings yet. Because I think Blood and Guts could be a capitalist? Not, not capitalist. <laughs> Catalyst? Jesus. Well, what a show that would be. I think Blood and Guts would be a catalyst towards potentially getting bigger eyes on the product. Not necessarily because of, you know, it being a big match stipulation. But just because it feels like AEW's roster as a whole feels like it's starting to get its pieces together. You look at the Raw Women's Division, which is probably the best it's looked in years. You've got, well, 
their main main event division, which whilst it is a little murky at this point because of, you know, the whole John Moxley barbed wire deathmatch botch, which I kind of think has kind of skewed a lot of the plans they had initially. So they probably had to backstep and think about how they're going to book from here on out. We've still got the promise of Hangman Page on Horizon, who they've been building for two years. And we're all waiting for that match, and it's going to be great. On the other hand, you've also got pretty much a ton of talent who could easily step into the main event scene. Their mid-card is stacked when you look at Darby Allen kind of leading that division with the TNT title. And you've got a lot of promising upstarts for the company to grow. Raw, it feels like they're suddenly taking back steps to some degree. I'd argue they've got a more talented women's division than AEW has. You I mean, you've got Rhea Ripley, you've got Asuka, you've got Naomi, super underrated by the way. But it feels like some of the stories have stagnated since post-WrestleMania. And... Uh, how do I describe this? Raw... Raw feels like it's more of a habit than a pleasure to watch at the moment. I'm not saying that it won't go back to that, because there's always a possibility. But Raw, as of right now, feels like a filler arc in anime. If you know, if you know, then you know. When you're watching this big show and you're expecting to get to the big arc that everyone's waiting for you to get to, but you have to get through the filler arc, because it has important information that will lead into the main arc as a supplement, but you don't want to get through the filler arc. That's kind of how I'm viewing Raw at the moment. You've got these potential big-time players on the horizon. You've got your Rhea Ripley's. You've got your... I, I want to say Cedric Alexander, but with the way that Booking's kind of gone, maybe, maybe not. And you've got great pieces in there, like the potential of a returning Keith Lee. It feels like there's nothing really going on that feels as big as your main flagship show should feel. Now, am I saying that this is going to change Raw's ratings? Is it going to start having a massive decline? No, because there's always going to be a loyal fan base of people who are fans of WWE, myself included. But I do think that tides could turn after this Wednesday. With this incredibly long built story with MJF and Chris Jericho, the rise of young talent, the greater priority put onto the women's division is making AEW an all around more enjoyable product. And of course there's going to be stuff you're going to dislike about AEW, that's the same with any wrestling promotion. But when I look at a show shown and shot in the States between those two nights, I can't help but feel that AEW are making a lot of steps in the right direction and Rory's starting to kind of fall back a bit. And I'm sure it'll bounce back because there's always those one things. You give credit to WWE. They find a way to, when they are backed into a corner, to make a story that is really engaging. Take a look at, you know, I'd argue some moments from a couple years ago, or even years before that, 
where it felt like, oh, WWE's going downhill. They've somehow found a way to bounce themselves back over certain particular angles. Mostly in the build-up to Mania or SummerSlam. But when the time is right, they are able to put up interesting angles. It's just... It's Raw's lack of consistency. Like, it feels like they're focused more on quantity rather than quality at the moment. Like, whatever it is to fill out a three-hour show. And I, I admit, I, I can't judge Raw writers for storylines and booking. As much as I'd like to say that I'm, like, really good at what I do, if I was in their position, I'd probably poop my pants. That's not why I could do what they could do. So, it's always easier to be a critic of pro wrestling writing when you're the ones watching it. But all in all, I I think if there was a greater focus on creating more consistent programming and not rather than building a reliance on quantity rather than quality, you know, maybe Raw would be doing a little bit better. Maybe not. You know, this is all topic of speculation, but we've seen with stuff like Roman Reigns that if you invest into something, and WWE really does invest in Roman Reigns, they can make some of the most interesting characters on television. And I realize I'm going on to a massive ramble that's going off of my whole debate here, but that's just because at the end of the day, I want Raw to do just as well as I find AEW to be doing. And I want to feel like you know what, no matter what day I'm watching wrestling, I'm guaranteed to get a really enjoyable time watching it. And I think regardless of ratings, I, I just want the best product possible. All in all, I think this could be, this Wednesday, a huge turning point in the world of professional wrestling, potentially weekly. Because this is probably one of the biggest shows that AEW has set on its weekly television programming. I'm not going to say pay-per-views, but it has the potential to be something that could be a lot bigger than people would anticipate. Because when AEW first came onto television, I think we were all off guard when it got a 1.4 million rating. I think we were all expecting something a lot smaller than that. Heck, AEW even said they were expecting about 500,000. So the fact that it got 1.4 million, and now we're in a position where AEW is more unopposed than ever before. It has a long-term story headlining one of the biggest weekly specials they've ever done. I don't think it's bigger than Winter is Coming, but I still think it's a very big show. Headlined by one of your biggest stars in the company, Chris Jericho and a rising star who they've invested heavily in over the past two years. This could be a potential turning point, I think. But I'm just a random 22-year-old speculating about wrestling to some lo-fi music. So I want to hear what you guys think. Do you think I'm right? Do you think I'm wrong? Do you think you should just not watch either show? I don't know. Let me know on Twitter at Connor the Cooper or let me know on Instagram at Wrestling with Fiction. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. With that said, I think I'm gonna go just because this was kind of an impromptu thing. So with that said, thank you all for listening. I hope you all have a lovely day. And remember everyone, 
wrestling could always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all. Good night, everybody.